Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is What's the First Pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is Episode 77. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And today... We're looking back on five straight days of college football in a little segment, Rick, we like to call Pop or Drop. Which players popped over the weekend, and we'll have people talking up their draft prospects, and which players dropped. Maybe they threw a pick or dropped a pass or missed a tackle. <laughs> we'll be looking, they'll be looking to get right in the coming weeks. There are a lot of deserving candidates, including my guy, Riley Leonard. <laughs> and we'll get to all that in just a sec. But first, Rick, you want to give us a 10-second tease? And your impressions of Duke quarterback Riley Leonard and their upset win over Clemson on Monday night. So every time I mispronounce a name, am I in the drop list or the pop list? Actually, is that's a pop for me. If not? you get the name right, it's a pop. But okay, those so, are few and far between. Okay. So even though Mason Smith did not play this week. <laughs> you know, it's bad. Like I was watching that LSU-Florida State game, and the announcers on more than one occasion mentioned that Mason Smith had been suspended. And I said, I, my first thought was that they're mispronouncing his name. That's what the type of impact you're having. <laughs> Look, man, give me your 10 second tease on Riley Leonard. How impressed you were with that former first round or that soon to be first round pick? Uh, big win. Uh, <laughs> excellent athlete. Uh, okay. Make plays with his legs. Uh, still a little bit inconsistent in the passing game. Uh, but he did get on a lot of people's uh, radar last night. I would say that. Now, I'm not ready to put the uh, pedestal up and, and deem him the number one overall pick like you are next year's draft. But he did uh, catch a lot of people's attention because of his athleticism. And the biggest thing for me, and I, I don't want to, is that he did it on a national stage. Right. That goes a long way, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was actually texting with a scout buddy of mine today, and I said this about – he's with you in terms of where he is on Riley Leonard, but I said, he's fun to watch. I think that's, everyone can agree on that. He's fun to watch. He's got some things he certainly needs to improve on, but it was a big, a huge win for Duke. No doubt about it. And Clemson's got some things to figure out and they got to figure them out quickly, but we'll get to that in a moment. By the way, if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL and CBS, you can see on the official with the first pick countdown clock. How many days we got, Rick? 233 days. Do you handwrite that or did you actually go out and buy numbers and expense it? I bought numbers. I did not expense it. If I hand wrote that, my hand would be exhausted. Those are big numbers. You have to go. If you're listening to the podcast, you got to go to YouTube and, and see the number, the countdown clock. It is fancy if you're listening 
I would advise you to pull your car over, pull it up on YouTube, and, and behold the majesty that is this with the first big countdown clock. 233 days to go there. By the way, if you missed it last Thursday, Rick and I talked about cutdown day around the NFL with a focus on those rookies and young players who surprised during training camp and preseasons. You can check all that out in the little podcast feed. Coming up, Rick and I will have the official with the first pick. Got a lot of official with the pick with the first pick things going on today. We'll have our official with the first pick rookie of the year predictions. So, so look for that. B. John Robinson has to be the favorite. You have a sleeper off the top of your head? No, unlike Riley Leonard. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. Unlike Riley Leonard, uh, you know, Debo's kind of our, our professor. Like, uh, and I was going to ask for an extension because of the game would goes on way past my bedtime. Uh, but I was able to get up early and get my homework assignment in today. So, but uh, I would say my early prediction before will be one of the running backs, which one I will not say you have to oh, tune boy. next Thursday, but right now I'm going to say, and I'll, you'll be surprised at my defensive player of the year. Okay. That's a player of the year. I'm trying to think who did the Lions draft that you're going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> so come tune in Thursday for that. Hint, hint. <laughs> Finally, and uh, Rick, this was Debo's idea, and uh, I actually kind of like it. If you leave a five-star review on Apple with a prospect's name, we'll evaluate that player in an upcoming show. Now, my concern is people have been quietly listening to the show, and then we get 200 five-star reviews, which is fantastic. That's going to be a lot of work for Rick to go through 200 guys. But listen, if you like the show, you like what we do here, leave a five-star review. You want us to talk about one of your players, no matter how small the school. If we get into Division two and below, it's a little tougher to find the, the game tape for that. But um, FCS, FBS, any school, we're happy to take a look at it, and it actually helps us keep up with all these guys. Some of the names that we may not know, but as Rick noted before the podcast, we're much further along today than we were 12 months ago before we started this podcast in terms of player evaluation. So that's been fun. Uh, meanwhile, while you had to take a second, hit the old thumbs up on YouTube and NFL and CBS. Of course, it helps grow the show and spread the word. All right, Rick, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's, that? let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, kind of exciting start. because we actually finally got to see some 2023 tape and, uh, it, what an uh, I just have to say it was a very exciting uh, week of college football and what a way to kick it off. I mean, this has been it's a five day stretch started Thursday night through Monday night, holiday weekend, of course, of everyone had to get Labor Day and every single day was exciting. I mean, they were great game after great game. And let, let's start. Let's start in Colorado. Actually, starting TCU. They played down at TCU, Colorado at TCU. Colorado was. 20 and a half point um, underdogs. Like no one thought they were going to win that football game except coach prime. And by the way, Deion Sanders hall of famer wants people to call him coach prime. I might call him coach prime given the, what he's done over there. I was talking to one of my buddies from college, Rick, who's a coach's agent. He's been a coach's agent for 20 years. And I was talking to him last week. I said, do you think Dion has a chance? And he said, you know what? He came in with no coaching experience at Jackson state. I didn't believe he was going to turn around there, and he turned that thing around. I am not going to doubt Deion Sanders, and I think that's a lesson. And look, you may not like his uh, his braggadocio persona, but what's he all saying? If you can back it up, it ain't bragging. Well, I'll tell you this, and and uh, my wife, you think I'm old school. My wife's very old school as well. 
I don't think there's another coach in college that could have brought in the amount of players mm. did in the transfer portal to get them all on the same page and to have them go out and do what they did the first week that no one believed in them. Uh, you know, my wife was like, what about those poor kids that had scholarships and what about their education? I said, hon, the, the NF, the college game has totally changed. It's now, it was a business, but now it's just a business only with the portal. You either win or you get fired. So do you think these coaches, and I'm not saying all of them, and I don't want to get in trouble here, but they're in it. No one's listening. Go ahead. Who are they? (laughs) (laughs) It's just different than maybe it was five or six years. Hey, our graduation record is 98%, but our win percentage is 17%. Well, guess what? You don't have a job. Yeah. Especially at these power five schools. Now, if you want to go and – I don't know if there's another coach that could have taken all those kids and the charismatic leader that prime is and him to get all those kids on the same page and him to go out and prove that he is not only a great leader of men in that locker room, but how he put that team together and how they went out and performed week one. Now I know the bandwagon is, you know, people are jumping you know, they're falling off the bandwagon. There's not enough room right now. Right. Got a long season to go and they got a lot of games to play yet. But it was to me fascinating to see how he can go in there, turn over the roster almost 90% and go out there and do what they did in a short amount of time that they did. Yeah, I don't remember the exact numbers. Maybe Debo can find them, but I, I do know there were very few remaining players from last year's squad that won one football game. One of them was number 43, the safety, who had an interception in the end zone, who was laying dudes out left and right. So he he was drinking the, the prime Kool-Aid, and he kept his job. Shout out to, to number 43. But in terms of – we're not talking about the defense right now. We're talking about Shadur Sanders. Because I watched him over the summer, and sometimes – tell me what you think of this. Sometimes it's hard to get a feel for an FCS player who's on a team that's dominating, kicking the crap out of everyone else. And I couldn't really tell whether he was really good or just on a, a team with great players at Jackson State that that beat everyone they faced. And then, as you talked about briefly with Riley Leonard, the moment was certainly not too big for Shadur Sanders on the road at TCU – threw for over 500 yards, set a school record with that, threw four or five touchdowns. I think he threw five touchdowns. And the only mistake he made, he underthrew his first deep ball by about a half a step, and then he ran out of bounds early, I think in the first half, uh, on a sack. That ended up being a sack. If he just thrown the ball away, it would have been an incompletion. And those are the type of the things you can live with long term. You're not turning the ball over. You're not throwing the ball in, in the harm's way. You're consistently hitting your receiver's uh, in the face, so they have opportunities for yards after catch. And your deep ball, it, it looks like my guy Jeff Blake. I used to love talking about Jeff Blake because he was at ECU when I was growing up. And he he used to throw the deep ball, Rick, that was so high it would go out of the, the television screen, and then it would parachute down into the receiver's hand 60-something yards later. I had very few issues with the way that Shadur Sanders played. And if you're looking here, Debo, I'll put the graphic up on YouTube. 510 yards on Saturday for Shadur Sanders, school record. Um, the only other name I, kn- I recognize is Coy Detmer down in 1996. He had 457. So what were your thoughts of Sanders? I didn't know if you had a chance to see him at Jackson State before. No, but just watching him, uh, and I agree with everything you said, the throws he made, accurate at all levels of the field, the athleticism, everything that, that you talk about. But the one thing that really impressed me the most is, can you imagine having your dad is prime 
on the sideline, and he named his son the starting quarterback before they even practiced in the spring. And to put all that added pressure onto that kid and to that kid to go out and perform the way he performed, I thought that was an amazing story and tells you what that kid is made of. And you talk about it factor and you think his dad has the it factor. I think this kid has just a big of it factor that his dad has because of all the added pressure that was put on him going into this game. Now, one of the things worth noting, and <laughs> our guy Danny Cannell got into it with the uh, Coach Prime on Twitter before the game because Coach Prime had said something at a press conference about he hadn't he wasn't a Florida State guy. He ended up graduating from HBCU. Obviously, we know him from Florida State. Danny, our guy who went to Florida State and was at the at the Florida State LSU game, which we'll talk about in a moment, said on Twitter, this is basically this is disrespectful. Prime came back and whatever. Two old men sort of fighting on Twitter, which is something. But you may not like the fact that Dion is outspoken, but it's it's a weird sort of juxtaposition because he also there's the uh, Colorado puts out clips on social media, and one of the clips they put out recently was that Shiloh, his son who plays se- uh, safety, number twenty four, number twenty one, excuse me, um, in practice he 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 had cursed about something before a play, and Coach Prime heard him and said, "Don't curse at practice." <laughs> so you know he flaps his gums a lot. Coach Prime does maybe more than some people want, but he also has some rules, and you get the sense just watching Shador. I don't know him; I've never spoken with him. He feels like a kid that's quiet, humble. He's not out there raw rod it up and, and talking smack in people's faces, at least not where you can tell. He's just making plays and, and doing his job. Yeah, and like I said, it is from Colorado who, what, won one game last year? One game. Yeah, and now all of a sudden they're must-see TV. And it's crazy. It, it's, it's incredible. And the pressure those kids have on them because of the way Prime talks about them. Uh, but they embrace that. They don't run away from that. And that's what is fascinating to me is that all those kids at that age are embracing all the pressure that's put on them. And then they go out there and do what they did on national TV. And it sort of reinforces the idea that coaching is actually pretty important. Not necessarily X and O's. You can be Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, and that certainly helps. But on some level, football is not that complicated. And if you can make players, young, old, otherwise, believe that they can do things, turns out maybe they can do it. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And that was on full display uh, uh, this this weekend. And like I said, I loved the fact of all the bravado because it all was backed up. Backed up. TV. Now, if he would have flopped on his face, we would have been saying a lot of other different things. And But he went out there. He built the program up. He built the kids up. And then they lived up to those expectations that he put on them, which I give credit to him as the leader in that locker room for them to come and do that. Now, what's the encore? Because all that week one and going into TCU and the team that lost in the national championship game, now they got Nebraska coming in next week. What do you do to follow that up? Their schedule gets tough. Or do you – continue to uh, rise to the challenge, as we like to say. They have Nebraska September 9th. In the end of September, it's Oregon, at Oregon, then USC. So we'll we'll find out pretty quickly where this team is. But, man, what, what a fun story. So coming into the season, I talked to some folks, and, and Shador was like late third, early fourth preliminarily on the sort of summer scouting, spring scouting board. What's changed? <laughs> Wow, we performed. Now it's one, one, one sample size. One game, 
one sample size. You have to feel pretty good about the direction he's going. <laughs> yeah. Just with like Leonard Riley or Riley Leonard, whatever the heck the quarterback name from Duke is that you fall in love with. So now yeah. the spotlight's on you. Now you grabbed everybody's attention. What do you do with the attention even on you and the microscope even on you uh, more than it was maybe before the season started? Because, look, he's not a running quarterback. That's not his game. But he is nimble inside and outside the pocket behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, he moves pretty well in the pocket. Sometimes he'll drift into pressure when he drops back. But these are easy fixes. You've talked about this before. His arm looks plenty good on television. Like, it's not a, a Quinn Ewers-type situation or a Riley Leonard-type situation. He can throw the football. And on tape, because I was taken back a little bit about some of the throws and the ball placement down the field. And a couple of those balls, deep balls he laid in over the shoulder. Uh, yeah. receivers uh, right there in the bread basket. Um, it, that that tells you that this kid has some something to him, not only physically and on the field, but what we talked about earlier, the it factor when the spotlight is on him. He, he seemed to thrive in that environment. So I don't think I talked about this. Maybe I mentioned last week, but my, my uh, first official mock draft version 1.0 came out on Monday, Labor Day. And, Shador and Riley weren't on there, but right now the, the race for QB three is wide open, like wide open. And I think Shador is the favorite right now for me. Now, wait, let's, 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 let's hold the horse. There's a lot of the good, a lot, but I'm just saying quarterback if, play this week. If we're doing, do you remember the, the little mountaineering prices, right? Game where the mountain. Yeah. 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 Right now. Shadur is the is the little mountaineering guy that's highest up on the on the on the first leg of the the seventeen or whatever four month uh, race we got to do here. So great start. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's great because yeah. you can fall down the mountain just as quick. As <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to talk quickly. So I mean, this is a, a pop all day long. This is one of the best pops of the week for us, right? Oh, big pop. Now is a bigger pop his teammate number twelve. I think Travis is number twelve. Travis Hunter. Yeah, well, that he's ridiculous. He's not even eligible to talk about. But what he did, um, not only as a receiver, and not only the incredible interception. He oh made. my gosh, that, that was interception one of the best catches we'll see all season. Yeah, and then him playing that many snaps down in that heat. Uh, he's he's pretty unique. That's why he was the number one recruit coming out when. Uh, Deion Sanders was able to get him to go to Jackson State. Now, he got put up on a big stage, and he may even took a bigger step, even though we're not going to – he's not draft eligible, but he will be on everybody's radar. And if he continues to do what he did, uh, and you may think I'm crazy, but let's say he continues to go both ways, continues to have the production he did in week one, is he not the Heisman favorite? Oh, that's not crazy at all. I mean, what? And the other thing, this goes back to the our guy Danny Cannell and Coach Prime, little social media scuffle. Travis was going to Florida State, and then Dion got him to go to Jackson State. So maybe that's over the heat that DK's feeling towards Coach Prime. But I would argue that Travis Hunter. And by the way, do you know how many plays he he was on the field for? It had to be over. I don't know the number, but it had to be over a hundred if you're playing that many. Hundred ten in that heat. 87 degrees only, quote-unquote, uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth area. But, I mean, on the field, it was probably 1,000 degrees. And he was running – it wasn't like he was playing middle linebacker. He was running wind sprints on both sides of the of the field because he was in coverage and running routes. I think he might be more valuable as a 
cornerback in terms of just thinking, whatever, five years down the road, because they're harder to find. But maybe you still use them two ways wherever he ends up landing for the rest of his football career. Yeah, no. Uh, and I don't know if you can do that at the NFL level, play both ways. But if anyone is able to do it, he sure is a candidate for it. Absolutely. So another pop, another fun watch. And another name that I put on here, the rookie Dylan Edwards, uh, the running back, had four touchdowns. And he was an absolute burner. Uh, he took a couple short passes and you know padded Shadur's stats, no doubt about it, uh, by taking just a swing pass and, and just beating everyone to the house. But um, great win for Colorado. TCU, like Clemson, has some things they got to figure out right quick. And it might start with the quarterback, but I'm sure there's some other. There's, I think the thing with week one, and our guy Chip Patterson at the Cover 3 podcast talked about this last week, week one to week two is when you see the biggest jumps in these college football programs because they don't have preseason. So maybe things get a little tighter, fewer mistakes for other teams as we um, go into week two. But that was certainly a fun start for Colorado, and they got to follow that up, as you mentioned, with a home game against Matt Rule and Nebraska. All right. Let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about probably the first overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft, Riley Leonard and Duke and their win. <laughs> oh, no, we're not. Psych. We're going to talk about another North Carolina quarterback right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Rick, I'm so desperate to talk about Riley Leonard. I forgot about the consensus QB2 in this draft class as of right now, and maybe he'll move up at some point. Drake May out of North Carolina went up against Spencer Rattler in Charlotte uh, when they faced the Gamecocks of South Carolina. And let's start with Spencer, and I want to ask you this question because I was impressed with how Spencer played. He's been in – he feels like the the latest version of um, sort of Hunter Renfro or Stetson Bennett. He's been in college football forever. But he looked – I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he looked confident. His arm strength is legit. It always has been. He's a, a pretty good athlete, and he is tough as nails. And that offensive line had no chance. He got sacked nine times, I believe. Could have been what felt like 50. Yeah. What did it? What would it have looked like if you switched quarterbacks? What if Spencer had played for UNC and Drake had played for South Carolina? Will we be talking about Spencer Rattler right now? No. <laughs> no, I thought Spencer did. You did. Okay, well, tell me your thoughts first of Spencer. I thought he was impressed. He, he did very well, and I thought he picked up where he left off last year. If you watched yeah. the tape in the beginning of the year, it was awful. I thought he picked up where he left off last year. Now, I, I agree. He was uh, didn't get much help from his offensive line, but he can make all the throws. I still think he's a little inaccurate, missed a couple of layups that he should have hit in that game but he's athletic and I think he's going to start climbing up some draft boards too. And I thought it was a very solid performance. It didn't blow me away. Okay. I, 
Um, but I thought that from what I seen early last year to where he's at right now, it's a night and day difference. And he may be a climber as well going through this process. There, You can talk about almost any of these quarterbacks uh, that we're going to talk about today that are going to be jockeying, as you said, for that number three position. But he is not Drake May. No, he's not Drake May, but he certainly would have benefited from an offensive line that didn't allow him to get killed play after play. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, maybe they get the ball out faster on some plays. That helped too. But oh, let's talk about your guy, uh, Leggett, number seventeen, the, the wide receiver. Yeah, from I was like, who in the heck is this kid? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who's this big guy going up and get the ball and runs like a deer? Um, and he was a guy that I put on the list just to make sure we monitor. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I believe he also did some kickoff returns as well, if I'm not mistaken. He uh, was on some preseason watch list, and um, one of the the grades uh, I got from some of my people there, he was a potential late round priority free agent type coming into the season. But he he was popping. He was on our list of pop or drop, but he certainly popped in a situation where they had uh, they were struggling at times to move the ball. Yeah, but he is a big physical receiver. It looks like he can run. Little raw. He had glimpses uh, to me, and I'm not going to go crazy on it yet. Cordero uh, <laughs> Patterson type traits. Yeah, with that no, size. he looked that, he, he that, looked like him getting off the bus. Yeah, that size, that athleticism. I just first, you know, like I said, you go through your pewter and try to figure out, you know, comps or things like that. When I was watching that, boom, Cordell Patterson popped up into my head just initially. You use the Rick pewter. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't watch the tape on him, so but just watching TV scouting, that was the first guy that popped into my head because of the unique size and athleticism. Yep, South Carolina wide receiver versus Xavier Leggett, number seventeen. If you're keeping notes at home, there. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball. Drake May, he started ten of ten in the first quarter. I mean, he was he was dealing. I uh, missed a deep ball, out of bounds early in the game, and I thought he did a lot of things well. A lot of what we knew he could do. He's athletic. Uh, he has a pretty good arm. But then he had some he had a couple questionable throws. The second interception wasn't his fault, but the first one, you're you're wondering what's going on there. Is that a concern? Is that just part of the growing process? Is week one? What do you think? Well, the I got that answered when he got nailed, throwing it off his back foot and threw the touchdown uh uh during the game. I can't remember what quarter it was, but he rolled out to his left and off his you know, off balance, threw one up there, and that receiver made a great catch adjusting to the throw in the end zone, but I thought it was a great throw. And I'm, uh, he just needs to cut down. I think he is a little bit of a risk taker. Yep. I think that first interception, you know, just throw the ball away and live for another down or punt the ball. Second one wasn't his fault. First one was, uh, and I think he'll learn from that, but there's no question in my mind he is right up there uh, as a number two quarterback off the board. And I don't think it's close right now. And it's not. We don't know who quarterback three is. Is the distance bigger between Caleb Williams and Drake May or Drake May or whoever's behind door number quarterback three? Uh, there's a big, bigger gap between Drake May and quarterback number three than there is between Caleb Williams and Drake May. Yeah. I told, and, and I'm probably going to get ripped. I said, I just see traits of, of uh, Lawrence. No, that's, that's their worst comps than that. Huh? I'm sure my comp was worse than that. I think I said Daniel Jones or something. Oh my God, yeah, that was horrible. There you go. If you want to feel better about yourself, just ask me my comp, and then you'll <laughs> immediately feel like a, okay, I feel a lot better now. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence isn't terrible. Trevor Lawrence is um more polished at this point, but 
just the size and the movement skills and the yeah. arm talent, I just uh, that's who popped in my head when I was watching him. You that's think his fine. arm is as good as Trevor's? I think it yes. Okay. Now, but it's not as good as Spencer Rattler's, I don't think. Yes, it is. It's better. You think so? Yes. Okay. So uh, Drake popped. Xavier Leggett popped on the unofficial pop board. What about Spencer? I would say I, I would give him a, a mild pop. A mild pop. I don't know what Debo calls a mild pop. I don't know what we call no pop either. If it's just uh, a. Uh, no, it's like the scouts when they give a fence grade. <laughs> give a what? They give him a fence grade. It's like, I don't oh, gotcha. know. What do you think of it? Gotcha. But if we're not doing fence grades and you either have to say pop or drop, yeah, I will give Spencer a pop. I think a fence grade in the pop or drop world is a dud. Like, it didn't go off either way. Well, All right. Drop. I'm going to give Spencer a pop. I was happy with how Spencer yeah. played. New rule on this podcast. It's what? either pop or drop. No me. No dud. All right. Pop for Spencer. Pop for Xavier Leggett. Pop for Drake May. And by the way, the, the UNC offensive line gave him a lot of time. So credit to them. That defense was getting after it. So we'll keep an eye on the on the rest of those teammates around around Spencer and Drake and see how they do there. Next up on the list, going to LSU, Florida State. That game was in Orlando. And I just watched the broadcast version. I haven't gone back and watched it. So I'll I'll let you take the reins for Jordan Travis, Florida State quarterback versus Jaden Daniels, LSU quarterback, and tell me, because their numbers are the same, but Daniels had had some letdowns in the second half that it's not why LSU lost, but it certainly didn't help them uh, in their trying to stay close with, with Florida State and what ended up being a blowout. I'm going to give Jordan Travis a pop, and I'm going to give Jaden Daniels a drop. He's I think that's right. Drop, you know, and uh, Travis, I don't know how big he is, but he has very good command of the offense, very good accurate thrower. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the uh, Michigan State transfer, Keon Coleman. coming. Uh, so he has uh, some weapons to throw to. But I thought the biggest negatives coming out of Travis Jordan was the dumb interception after the muff punt, throwing an interception, <sighs> quick bubble screen, and then the uh, that jump pass that should have been intercepted that probably would have turned the game down near his goal line. Just take your sack and move on in life. Uh, but other than those two <laughs> four plays, uh, he really popped out to me. And I thought he really improved his draft stock. Jaden Daniels, um, this guy, there's no question about his size and his athleticism. I just don't get the same sense. He missed some easy throws, in my opinion. He made some very good throws, too. And he can stand in the pocket, but I don't – Get, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't get the same feeling watching him play quarterback as I watch Travis. Travis had command, and he, look, and he looks like he he knows how to play the position. I'm just not sure if Jane Daniels yet is more of an athlete playing position, or can he actually be a quarterback? But I I am not a huge Jaden Daniels fan coming off this performance. Yeah, but I think if you just stopped at the first half, it'd probably be closer to a tie, and then things sort of went sideways in the final 30 minutes. Just so you know, Jaden Downs unofficially 6'3", 205, 4'5", guy. He feels a little more athletic, more dynamic in space than Jordan Travis, but clearly Jordan Travis uh, is able to win with his feet, and Jordan Travis is unofficially 6'1", 196, 455 guy. They've both been um, – I think um, Daniels is a fourth-year senior, and, and Travis is coming into a sixth year, so he's been around the block a little bit. Um, so, 
quarterbacks. You know, I say, is watching Jaden Daniels last year. He took more shots down the field in this game than he did last year, but I still don't think the consistency is there yet to to crown him as the as the race to the third quarterback in this draft. Yeah, and he's fallen behind you know, on your little uh, Price is Right mountain man climbing up there with his little pick. And yep. his little, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Leading hosers. Uh, <laughs> leading, hose, leading hosers, I think so, yeah. <laughs> leading hosers. Uh, that's my fr- that's my German. Ich stehe nicht der Frankensteine. You're German. You should be able to speak German, so you got that one right. So, but uh, he's a drop and Travis is a pop. Okay. No, I, I'll, I'll uh, let you lead the way on that one. I'll mention before we go over to the Florida, Florida State side and continue to applaud all their efforts, Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver, number eight, who popped a lot last year when we were watching Kayshawn Booty. I thought he he showed some juice in this game when he was given the opportunity. Uh, huge playmaking ability. And uh, he actually slipped in the fourth quarter to one of Daniel's interceptions. Now, you can I don't know where the – the finger should be pointed. It wasn't a good throw, but I thought Malik Neighbors is, is worth keeping an eye on. I'm going to be a neutral on him just because um, I know it's we no can't. Neutral. Either they pop or they drop. I will give him a, a, a drop by association. It's not his fault. He should have been better quarterback play, but I, I it was clear to me that he was good. Makai Wingo, number 18. Mason Smith didn't play. <laughs> look at look at Debo. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, he's doing a little sunny, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia. Is he doing an accent? <laughs> but um, Mingo, uh, Mason Smith, who we talked about, didn't play because of suspension. But Makai Wingo, number eighteen, is a guy worth keeping an eye on. Defensive tackle. He was he was popping in the first half. He went, was. went quiet in the second half. So that's we'll, a significant character plus when you get the chance to wear jersey number eighteen for LSU. Great point. That's a huge honor. Yep, absolutely. And they were talking about that on the telecast. So that's that's a good sign for sure. All right, let's go to the other side. You talked about Jordan Travis. Let's go with a, a guy who's in my top 10, uh, my latest mock draft here, and a guy that we talked about over the summer in the summer scouting series, the edge rusher, Jared, Jared Verse. Uh, huge blindside sack uh, late in the first half. It was a strip sack, but LSU ended up recovering. But that was sort of the first time he flashed, and he was around the ball at times, but he didn't take over like he did last year in the LSU game. No, well, last year was uh, just uh, an exceptional performance, and I'm sure that they didn't know who the hell was <laughs> going into the game. Some Yahoo from Albany. Right. That was, a, what, I believe a tight end in the past. Absolutely. So, But he did get a lot of pressures on a quarterback when you break it down and watch the tape. Uh, very good. He comes straight forward, and he is a powerful man, and he is explosive off his hips. And I just think he needs to still work on some counter moves. But a couple of times that uh, he got around the quarterback, I had him for uh, that quarterback hit that was not was eventually overruled as a sack. But he had three quarterback pressures, um, and he was he was uh, disruptive, not as productive, but very disruptive and. I don't think he gets enough credit or I'm giving him credit for how he plays a run because he can stand up an offensive tackle and he's very instinctive to find the ball carrier uh, once he separates from the block. And he plays with his hair on fire. So I'm going to give him a pop. Pop for Jared first. Love it. All right. We'll mention briefly our guy, Jaheim Bell. Again, a tight end who transferred from South Carolina. South Carolina could use him the other night for sure. Uh, sort of a jack of all trades in, ter- in terms of where they line him up. He scored two touchdowns late. One was an end around. And he had played some running back at South Carolina. 
didn't really show often. I'll give him a drop just because he wasn't as prevalent as perhaps maybe he could have been. No, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that I don't like him. It's just that uh, I would have liked to see him a little more, and I'm sure we'll get that throughout the season. But the athleticism was clearly there. Yeah, and he's got to get a little bit sharper running routes. He had the four-yard touchdown run on the jet sweep, and then he had the 44-yard TD on a busted coverage, and you showed his speed once he got the ball in his hand. I really was kind of impressed, even though it's not going to make a living as a uh, blocker. He really gave some effort, although he's mismatched versus bigger bodies. But was intriguing to me and what will scouts and what will be talked about in the draft rooms. Uh, and I charted this. Eight times he lined up in the backfield. 16 times he was either the Y or the H back. Uh, 24 times he lined up in the slot. And eight times he was lined up out wide as a receiver. So mm -hmm. that tells you the multi-position and the versatility he brings to an offense. He just has to be more detailed in what he's doing. But they're asking him to do a lot and lining him up in a lot of different places. So I think he'll continue to improve during the season. He just needs to be a little bit more attention to detail, especially when he's running routes in the passing game. Yeah. And he did have one bad drop. Uh, Jordan, Travis Jordan rolled to his left. He was coming across, uh, did a great job adjusting his route. And then uh, Travis Jordan made a heck of a throw. Uh, throwing uh, a little bit back across his body, and he dropped that one. That one was disappointing to me. Yeah, you mentioned his versatility. When you say why, you mean he's a, an inline tight end, like a traditional yeah, tight that's end. That's not what he's going to be in the NFL, but they did line him up on the line of scrimmage next to the offensive tackle on a three-point stance. And like you said, he got overpowered by the bigger bodies up there, the defensive ends, but uh, he does play hard, and I gave him credit for his effort. And our comp over the summer, I think was we both agreed, Chig Aquanquo, the uh, second year tight end now for the oh, Titans. For Titans, yeah. Yeah, came in, came out of Maryland. Um, Jaheim, as Debo notes, was our number four tight end that we talked about during the uh, summer scouting. Uh, in terms of Jane Daniels and Jordan Travis, they both feel like day three guys right now, probably. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that. We'll just figure it out as we go, but just one week into this thing, there's there's nothing that makes you think they're going to be in, in the attention. For sure. Uh, Jordan, if there's anyone going to pop into Friday, it would be him and okay. coming off this week. All right. And again, we don't care about being a six-year senior if you're a quarterback because that's a different position. And actually sometimes, as we saw during the preseason, experience will help you at least early on in your, your NFL career. Right. All right, I'll mention quickly Johnny Wilson, the wide receiver of Florida State, who came in as one of the guys to watch, and he had a tough tough evening, Rick. Yeah, just the drops. I mean, he's big, he's athletic, uh, he's pretty smooth after the catch when he catches it, but catch the ball. And the definition of a receiver is to receive the ball. <laughs> you got that, Devo? <laughs> it's right there in the title. He's 6'6", 237, huge target. I will give him credit. He dropped a lot, a lot of balls and, you know, maybe his head dropped for a minute or two, but he blocked his ass off. And if you're not going to catch the ball, do something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just look at the definition of a receiver. <laughs> he's not a wide blocker. He's wide receiver. Yes. All right. He'll bounce back from that. But, again, another target uh, for that offense and, and Jordan Travis. And now let's get to our guy, Keon Coleman. He made my uh, top 50 big board. I'm glad I put him on there. I went back and watched him at Michigan State, and uh, he was a different animal when he got on the field. 
in Orlando. My goodness, he was a, an absolute game changer. He was shifty in space despite his size. He's a big wide receiver. You see him there if you're watching on YouTube. He's number four for Florida State. Uh, he makes players miss after the catch. Big body, contested catch guy. Uh, had a 40-yard touchdown on that first drive. High point machine. Sort of does all the things you're looking for in a modern-day wide receiver. He probably won't run a 4-3, but if you told me that he did, I'd be like, all right, well, may, maybe he did. But I think he's he's one of these receivers that makes a, a quarterback's job easier because of his size and his big catch radius. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, on that 40-yard touchdown, he made a great move in the open field to finish. Uh, he had a seven-yard touchdown in the fade. Great job going up and getting the ball in contested catches. He had a 21-yard TD on another fade route from the slot. Another opportunity to go up and uh, go over top the DB to make that catch. He also caught a 40-yard go ball uh, going up over top. So the thing that really impressed me, I don't know because he's big, he's athletic. I don't know how fast he's going to be, but in contested situations, he was a man. And when they give the uh, analogy, there's two dogs and one bone, he Mm -hmm. was the dog that came down with the bone every time he had an opportunity to go get it. What's your comp? Because when I think of contested catches, I won't tell you the comp I think of because it makes you angry. So who's your comp for for a contested catch, big body wide receiver like that? Boy, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm yeah. Now you flabbergasted me. I, <laughs> I, I was like more intrigued on who you think. You. Yeah. Well, I always go to my two go tos. There's a good one, and he's faster than Anquan Bolden. Oh God, yeah, the go to. It's yeah. Uh, well, that's yeah. A, there aren't a lot of guys that in the NFL that. I mean, he AJ Brown's faster, right? It looks, it seems to play faster. DK Metcalf's a different player. They're both big, so I don't know. We'll have to come back to that. But he he certainly popped. If I had to pick one just a little bit uh, right off the bat uh, from last year's draft class. Yeah, uh, I would say Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee a little bit. Okay, that's actually you're pretty good at this. That's not bad. <laughs> and again, Cedric was hurt last year, so we didn't see yeah. a lot of him at Tennessee. But he popped like that for the Browns in preseason. Keon may be a little shiftier. We'll see as, as Cedric gets into his career here. But um, day two conversation all day long. He might be sneaking his, his way up higher. It's going to be a really deep receiver class, and he just put his name in the mix and a lot of those uh, receiver. Everybody behind uh, Harrison Jr. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about him because he was a drop for me this week. Yeah, he's out of my top 100 after what happened over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it for LSU. In Florida State, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get to my guy, Riley William Leonard the Fourth. Oh, my God. Right after this. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. 
Available now. All right, Rick, now it's time. I, mean, I built them up so high, I, I'm, I'm doing a disservice. Um, here's the thing with Riley Leonard, and we talked about this briefly at the top of the show here. Great athlete. A lot of fun to watch. Incredibly raw. Duke won nine games last year. They didn't play anyone that was ranked last year. In fact, I think this win over Clemson on Monday night against a top 10 opponent, that's the first time they beat a top 10 opponent going back 35 years or something. It's been a minute, as the kids like to say. Debo, can you show Rick that uh, tweet from Danny Cannell about uh, yeah, Riley Leonard? One yeah, so Riley Leonard's from Alabama. Didn't get recruited at all for football, basically. Was a huge basketball guy. I think he's 6'3", 6'4". And he is an athlete. Like the athleticism pops, and when when you see him play basketball, you're like, oh, okay. Now he doesn't have the best arm in the world. Again, he's sort of figuring out the position as he goes. When they watched me play basketball, they said the same thing, except the different. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, here he is throwing it down at 360. Rick, does that get your attention when you're? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. That's not me in high school either, just so if anyone got confused. No, that was you getting dunked on. I think you were the defender. <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you got to take the charge, Rick. But the, the point is that the athleticism on some levels translates, and it certainly translated on that, that late run. He ripped off a 44-yarder. It was on third down to start the second half, gave Duke the lead, and they didn't relinquish it. Now, listen, like Spencer Rattler, he spent some time running for his life. He had some of his receivers drop balls. Jalen Calhoun, number five for Duke, is, is a guy to keep an eye on. He – Mupped the punt, had a couple drops, made some plays. So we'll see if he bounces back. But I give Riley Leonard a pop for winning a huge game. It wasn't pretty, but something you can build on. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. He was a pop for me, too. And the athleticism was on full display last night. I still needs to develop. The one stat that I, again, I chart, try to chart all these guys he only had two throws of plus 20 yards down the field. Now, was it because of run of his life or not? And the other stat was there were only six throws of plus 10 yards down the field. Right. And he was one of six on throws of plus 10 yards down the field. But I'm giving him credit for national stage, Duke beating Clemson, spotlights on him. Let's see what he does going forward. Just like we talked about Colorado, it's great. You got everybody's attention. Everybody's watching. What are you going to do? Uh, but there's no question about his athleticism. I still think he needs to become a more accurate passer, especially when he has to throw, when he's making a, uh, off-schedule type throws. Sometimes off his back foot, he missed some throws I thought he should have made. But there's no question about his size, his athleticism. And he was the one, the reason why they beat Clemson last night. Yeah, he might be a better athlete. He's a better athlete than Drake May, in my mind. Uh, he's probably a better athlete than Daniel Jones coming out. And Daniel Jones was he 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 could run. Like people don't give him credit because he looks like. Well, you know, it was on display last year for the Giants. The reason yeah. why the one was because of Daniel I, Jones's uh, ability to make plays. I think he was second in the league in uh, rushing. Uh, so behind that, uh, that athleticism has gotten him a long way. In his defense, I will say too, a lot of those throws down the field. His receivers struggle to get open, and you know we know about this Clemson defense. That said, my guy Barry Carter, I didn't see him. His name was called once, and that's when he missed the tackle in the backfield to start the second half, when which Riley Leonard ripped off a forty-four yard run. That was it. You heard Andrew Makuba's name, the safety. He flashed a little bit at times, but there there wasn't a lot of other talk about these other guys on defense that were supposed to be stalwarts. No, and even your guy, you're not supposed to talk about the corner. He missed the tackle at the end of that play on the forty-four yard run. Yes, he did. 
So. But I told you coming in, he wasn't going to tackle anybody, so he kept his word on that one. <laughs> but I, I made note of that. Yeah, that. So that that's a tough that's tough sledding for for Dabo and that team, um, for sure. But a great win for for Duke. Flat, uh, a pop, excuse me, for Riley Leonard. How exciting is college football and that atmosphere when they came rushing down on the field after the game? And that's the right. That's the thing. Like you don't see that in the NFL because it's you know it's it's yeah commercialized well, you, and. Yeah, there's snipers. You'd get shot. <laughs> there's that too, exactly. And it's you know it's a whole different. Yeah, it's great. It's great for you know. Finally, Duke University gets a break. <laughs> they had so many things go wrong for them with all the the basketball yeah, national titles and the idea of Coach Echo uh, credit for what he's done coming in his first year and being. In fact, he was a, a ACC Coach of the Year uh, last year with the nine wins and. I was a little bit surprised just watching that game before I go to bed at halftime because <laughs> I don't stay up past 930. Nope. Was how hard they played on defense. And they have some pretty good athletes, and they talk about Roman Olbinson. Yeah. Defensive end that kind of popped out yesterday a little bit as well. Al Blades Jr.'s on that team as well, transfer from the U. Yeah, but those guys were flying around. And they were not intimidated by Clemson whatsoever. In fact, I thought they played harder than the Clemson kids did overall last night. And in fact, the sideline reporter uh, on the telecast said after the game or late in the game that from field level, it didn't look like Clemson was faster than Duke on the field. Like they, it was a it was an even horse race, so to speak. Yeah. And one coach- thing you can control is effort, and there was no question the effort was there for Duke last night. Yeah, great win. We'll see how it goes from here. But like you mentioned, it's a fantastic start to the college season with some huge wins. All right, let's go back out west now. Talk about another guy in the mix for for QB3. He's been around the block a minute. Michael Penix Jr., transferred from Indiana. Last year had a good year at Washington. Um, I've never seen and We sort of joked about this yesterday when we talked. He he had to ice his arm down after that game because all he threw were 60-yard bombs, it felt like. Yeah, no, he was. That was a fun game to watch. Now, Boise, they were just, he has two pretty good receivers to throw to. Yep. Um, but he, uh, charting him, he had nine throws of plus 20 yards down the field. <laughs> I mean, they were airing it out. And uh, four of those were completions, and three or four of those went for touchdowns. So his release, and I may be, again, you can call me crazy, but I don't care. Uh, his release because he has that kind of shot putty release or even his left handed remind me of Philip Rivers release a little bit the way he played. All right, I'll call you crazy. See if you call me crazy. I wrote he looks a little bit like when you squint. That release reminded me of Tua. No, absolutely not. That's <laughs> all right. Watch Philip Rivers. Go, it is go back and watch Philip Rivers release and watch this kid's release and tell me if there's any similarities between the two. I think Penix seems like he has a better arm though. Philip Rivers had a pretty good arm. He was a pretty good quarterback. He wasn't a bad quarterback, but if I think Pennington can step on a little bit. One of my scouting lessons I learned is on Philip Rivers. I was like, how's this guy going to be able to complete passes at the NFL with that type of release? Yeah. So he was very productive at the collegiate level, and I was I was wrong on that one. Uh, How'd he do it? Because he's an anticipatory, anticipatory thrower, and he's an accurate thrower. Mm. And – just like Michael Penning said, he puts the ball in places where the receivers can go make plays, whether it's the back shoulder, whether it was over the shoulder on downfield throws. Yep. It knows how to place the ball to give the receivers a chance to make plays. And a lot, just like Philip Rivers, not the greatest of athletes. He's probably the least athletic 
out of all the guys we've talked about so far. But he does a great job placing the ball short, intermediate, deep to give receivers a chance to go up and make plays. And he has two receivers that can do that. Yep, I agree. I'm going to give Michael Penix a pop. I'm guessing you are too. Yeah, no. That, did I sound like I gave him a drop? No. I just want to be – so I have you on record. 29 to 40, 450 yards, five touchdowns. Probably looking at day three right now because of the injury history. He's a little older, but no one cares about that. He's rising. You think he's rising? Okay. I, he's going to go into the Friday mix. But I think – well, the injuries will sort itself out. But I, I like him. Don't get me wrong. Okay. but uh, you yes, to- He didn't miss a game last year. Mm-hmm. And if he stays healthy this year, that's two years that he's not been injured if he stays healthy this year. So even though he's had the double ACLs, that may be less of a concern. Good point. And the two receivers you talked about, Rome Odunze, seven receptions, 132 yards and a touchdown. And then our guy, we didn't talk about him over the summer, but he was on the radar. And this dude, this dude popped too. Odunze popped, but I think Jalen McMillan, number 11, pop popped. Right. Um, Great. What what would he do here? He had 95 yards, two touchdowns, ran for another out of the Wildcat, which was a, a fun little – he just ran right through the A-gap. But uh, he, he's he got some juice. Now, Adunze is more of a Keon Coleman type, maybe not as, as twitchy. But Gillen, you can line up all over the place. Yeah, and he can go up and get the ball. He's very physical receiver and very strong hands. And McMillan is a little bit more twitchier, a little bit more athletic, and probably a little better speed, but not nearly as strong as Odunza is. Absolutely. What are you tweeting at me here, Debo? What is this? Michael Penix had himself a day against Boise State, cleaned 73% of his passes, led seven TD drives. Penix has been compared to Tua Tonga by Loa by many NFL scouts, according to some random Twitter account. Hmm. Interesting. That's what Debo was trying to get my back. Okay, so you're going to say if you're comparing him to Tua, he'll be the uh, top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. You said shoot for the moon. I don't want to compare him to, I don't know, whoever the worst quarterback is. All right, so great start for for Michael Penix in Washington, Boise State. Uh, they held they held in there for a little bit, and then things got out of hand pretty quickly. All right, let's uh, stay out west here. UCLA hosted Coastal Carolina. Just going to talk about our guy, Layatu Latu, the edge rusher. Ten pressures, three sacks, four quarterback hurries. Uh, he played 31 total pass rushing snaps. Again, I thought he flashed, and you could say, well, it's Coastal Carolina. <laughs> I was getting in my notes, so I was trying to fill there. So I guess he had to pop. Yeah, motor- it was like watching practice tape. This guy was good. <laughs> yes. I don't mean to be disrespectful for the to the Coastal Carolina offense. It is what it is. The tape is what the tape is, right? Yeah, but this guy was smooth, quick, athletic, used his hands, multiple pass rush moves. If I had to pick a clinic tape, I would have picked him on how he rushed the passer this game. If I, you know, and I don't think Coastal Carolina has two elite tackles that he went against because he went after both of them pretty, pretty good. Yeah, he was just picking and choosing which one he wanted to. I don't want to say abuse, but to put a clinic on as a pass rusher. I mean, as you mentioned, he was winning with power. He was winning with speed. And now I don't know if he'll consistently be able to to bend the corner uh, against the better offensive tackles, but he was doing it consistently against Coastal. They didn't have any answers for him. And if I I don't recall them ever trying to help out. They were just always – they didn't ship him or anything. No, and it probably would have been a good game plan adjustment if you have 15 coming off the left side, right side, and hitting your quarterback in the mouth 150 (laughs) times in the game. (laughs) <laughs> maybe adjust something a little bit if you can. 
no, they stuck to the game plan. And uh, so I think I, I'm hearing a begrudging pop for Latu for you. I gave him a, a resounding pop. Debo notes that I um, had him at number 30, my most recent mock draft. So I get a pop myself. Great. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's, let's pat ourselves on the back again. That's what Ryan likes. When he gets one, he's going to take full advantage of it. Going to pull, pull my shoulder out doing that. All right. Let's talk quickly about this Ohio State game. I did not watch the broadcast, nor did I go back and watch the tape because I saw the stat line that Debo gave us. Marvin Harrison Jr., two receptions, 18 yards. Trevion Henderson, the running back, 12 rushes for 47 yards. I looked at some of the, just the, the box score for the defenders, and, and none of the defensive guys popped either, but you saw it. So, what'd you see? Yeah, I watched the tape on these guys. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was targeted eight times. Um, he, and, uh, very limited production. Now, have something to have to do with the quarterback, um, but and I don't want to get negative uh, because I'm a positive guy. I always try to look <laughs> like with you. I try, always try to look for the bright side of everything. Although, hundred percent agree. Yeah, hard to do sometimes. <laughs> the one thing that really disappointed me was one route where he kind of was going along the sideline. It was a deep route where he had a touchdown catch, uh, but the DB. Uh, from Indiana, chucked him out of bounds and made him ineligible to go back down there and catch the ball. And that shouldn't happen to a veteran savvy, you know, talk about number two overall pick in next year's NFL draft. The only thing that I will say, not questioning effort, not questioning anything, is I don't want, it's just as long as he's playing hard and not playing to get hurt. And I think there was some frustration with the new quarterback, and hopefully that will improve because they have a – and probably will because Marvin Harrison's a great character kid, loves ball, not questioning any of that. I just hope he has the patience as this new quarterback tries to get back – you know, get on track, and he plays like he's played through his entire career. And I just get that sense in this first game. And And it's the first game as well. Exactly. Uh, I mean, two catches, 18 – Yards does not define a career when your name's Marvin Harrison Jr. And uh, I'm going to go off script here quickly because I know you wrote him up and I watched him as well. I'll go back and watch the game tape. Let's talk about quickly our guy at Tennessee, Joe Milton, who similar comparisons physically you're going to hear with Anthony Richardson. Not quite the athlete Anthony Richardson is. He can throw the ball farther than Anthony Richardson somehow. He has a rocket arm. And I thought he played Pretty good against UVA. Now, UVA obviously had some extenuating circumstances. Their coach actually said the fact that we're on the field after their tragedy last year was in and of itself a victory, and I get that. But uh, I thought that Joe Milton did some good things, and then, you know, he missed some throws. And that's going to be the recurring storyline with Joe Milton. He has to tidy up the, the silly misses that he can't do on Sundays in order to catapult himself into the conversation where he's going to be one of these first quarterbacks taken. And I'll say this, the first throw that I popped up on my tape was the long throw down the field that the receiver dropped. Hit him right in the face. Hit him right in the face, which was a great throw. But he has to learn, you know, then uh, you know, then the ball is sometimes all over the yard. Now it's going 90 miles an hour. Can he learn to put touch on the ball? And there was another deep throw that was complete, but he tried to put touch on the ball, and he kind of underthrew the receiver. Right. So – he has to figure out that balance of when he needs to fire the ball because there's no question he can put it in tight coverage. I don't think the receivers sometimes were surprised the velocity of that ball coming. I mean, it was 
And I'm not saying this, um, but we had the same conversations about Will Levis last year. Yeah. Uh, can he put touch on a ball when he has to put touch on a ball? There's no question about his arm talent, but can he put touch on a ball? And that's the one thing I want to see him improve on as Tennessee goes through the season. And he ran more in this game against uh, UVA than, than he did last year in limited opportunities. So he's showing that he actually is abil- his abilities to win uh, with his legs as well. All right, Debo has a request. you got to give us your QB3 as we sit here on September 5th, 2023. Coming out of this weekend? If you're drafting a quarterback in the draft today and the top two guys, Caleb and Drake May, are gone, who are you taking? I can't take Drake May or Caleb Williams. You can't take them twice. <laughs> Just based off of this weekend, not – it, it can change next week, right? Yeah, Debo? of course. You're not locked in just for today. This might be, uh, you know, a recurring check-in. Yeah. All right. I am going to go with Shadir Sanders. Whoa! <laughs> Love it. Coming out of this week, out of all the quarterbacks behind Drake May, I like the way Penix played. I like the way Florida State played. But – and I would go – I like the way Penix played, uh, but I would go with everything that was put on that kid's shoulders and all the hype and his dad being the head coach and his dad hyping him up. That really spoke volumes to me on what this kid is made of. So I would go with Sanders this week. Yeah, we'll talk in coming weeks about uh, – I mean, there's so many other guys on the list. Quinn Ewers out of Texas. By the way, Texas-Alabama's game will be hitting on next week, no matter what, I would imagine, because there are going to be dudes on both sides, including Quinn Ewers. Got off to a slow start against Rice, got a little better. Bo Nix at Oregon, he's going to face Shadur Sanders in a few weeks. We talked about that. So there's some players to talk about. Uh, but I, I love the Shadur Sanders uh, QB3 conversation, Rick. Thank you. Making things happen. <laughs> All right. Would you take, or before we wrap up here, Yeah. after watching Sanders versus your boy from Duke, Oh, it's Shadur all day long. Oh, I know what I want to ask. Off the bandwagon. Stick to your guns. I have like three or four bandwagons going. It's it's like keeping plates spinning. So you talked about this last week, and this is worth noting. We were talking about Quinn Ewers coming into the season, how he had the the pressure, the added pressure, if you will, of knowing that Arch Manning is going to be breathing down his neck. Do you think there's more pressure, at least from our perspective, on Shadur because of all the things you talked about with with what Deion's put on him in terms of naming the starter, coming into this new program, uh, step up in competition and so on and so forth and what Quinn Ewers is facing? Yes. I agree. I think so too. Yes. Most because definitely. Quinn's worried about one thing and that's Arch. Shador has the basically a whole town and college town on his shoulders in addition to the expectations. And, and after this week, a nation. <laughs> and a nation. That's right. And he's were, were you surprised Arch wasn't QB2 on Saturday versus Rice? The only thing that I didn't watch practice and training camp and stuff, but just some rumblings I heard that he kind of struggled. And uh, I'm not saying this because who in the hell knows, but <laughs> um, he he it may take a year to adjust uh, to the collegiate level. And that's fine. There's no rush. Yeah, yeah. there's no rush for him to play. By the way, that, that true freshman kicker for Clemson, he probably wishes he took a year off because he, he had some struggles. Uh, don't even talk to me about kickers. That's why I'm doing podcasts these days. <laughs> oh, man. I feel bad for, for him, but it wasn't his fault. And me or no? What'd you say? And me? Uh, yeah, I feel bad for you all the time. <laughs> all right. That's it, Rick. We did it. And by the way, if you like what we do, take a quick sec. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. 
you love what we do, take it a step further and give us a five-star review. And remember, as Debo notes, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts with a prospect's name, and we'll evaluate that player on an upcoming show. That's it, Rick. That's a wrap on episode 77. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Mr. Spielman. Thanks to Debo for producing. And thanks to all you guys who watch, listen, and comment. We'll be back on Thursday to talk Rookie of the Year predictions. See you then. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 